0: Well, good morning, everyone. Um, As uh, Bodhi just said, today we officially begin the season of Advent. As you saw, all of the beautiful, I mean, isn't our lobby beautiful? Shout out to the events team and all of their hard work. What an actual joy to have a lobby all our own that we can decorate and leave set up all throughout the month of December. Ah, what a gift, what a gift. Um, Before we dive into the message, one last quick Reminder, this Thursday night at 7 p.m. is our midweek service. We do this once a month, the first Thursday of every month. We gather together for a night of worship and prayer. Um, If you've been at midweek lately in the last few months, you know that it is an extremely powerful time um, for us to gather together with no other agenda other than pursuing the presence of Jesus. That's why we're here, that's what we're here to do, and this is our final midweek of the year, so I encourage you to join us this Thursday night and just pursue the heart of God together. So Advent begins today. It is the first season in what we call the church calendar, so today is day one, first day of the year. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. The people of God have a story and the church calendar is about placing ourselves into the story of God through the traditions of the church. In Lent in our time frame during Lent this year, we put together a Lent guide and we also put together this kind of calendar for us to kind to, to kind of look up, look at and kind of get the framework for the liturgical calendar so you can kind of see the church calendar and also be called the liturgical year. It seeks to redeem our time and our space. Through the seasons of Advent, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost, through readings and songs and prayers, fasts, and other practices in these seasons to help reorient our hearts and lives away from the false stories of the world and back to the one true story of Scripture, the story of God. And so today we begin Advent. What is Advent? It is formed from a Latin word meaning coming or arrival. Advent is the traditional celebration of the first advent of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus, the Christmas story, and it is also the anxious awaiting of his second advent in glory, his second coming. Advent is about preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus Christ. It moves from darkness to light as the birth of Jesus draws near. It begins with a time of waiting and longing and ends with celebrating the birth of our Savior, the Messiah, on Christmas. Advent is a season characterized by watching, waiting, patience, prayer, longing, and expectation. It's a season of deliberate tension. It's a season of anticipation. If Christmas is for joy, Advent is for longing. This Advent season, as we wait, as we long for God, we want to make room for Christ. We want to make room for hope, joy, peace, and love. As we know, this season comes with a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of extra things, traditions, parties, and on and on. My kids' calendars are so crazy full. Micah is the only one that is still in elementary school, and we just got his like holiday, like, December you know, calendar for school, and it's bananas. You know, It's just like Elf Day, um, Pics with Santa, Santa Shop, class parties, PJ Day, Polar Express Day, on and on, I'm sure the teachers love all of this, love all of these things. Um, but it's great and beautiful, but also just craziness. And then you throw in all of the Christmas lists and wishes and lists and things that, that they want for Christmas this year, kids or families and all of that But in a season where everyone is adding things to their lives and things feel a little bit full, the challenge before us and that we want to place before us as a church family in this Advent season is how do we make room and make space for what really matters? We kind of started this journey last week as an introduction to the season of Advent as we talked about and walked through the spiritual practice of simplicity. And we talked about how it's not just about getting rid of things um, for the sake of getting rid of things, but really looking at our lives and thinking, what is cluttering my view of God? What is cluttering my view of him? What is distracting me from him and from the things that matter most, what can I get rid of in my life that will make space for more of him and his kingdom? In Advent, we are ushered into a time of waiting where we are connected again with our desires, our longing, our yearning for God. We are connected to, if we make room for it, if we make space for it, our true desire Underneath the surface of all of our wants, our Christmas lists and wishes, underneath the surface, our true yearning for God. Advent is a season for us to settle down deeply into ourselves. It's a humble time of recognizing one's need and longing for God's powerful presence to break into the world, a time to really hear the cry of our heart, to find that life deep within, to pay attention to desires that may feel like they're unfulfilled, hope that may be unmet, the longing that's unsatisfied, a time of discernment and waiting and of really being present in the midst of all of those things. Because of this, it seems appropriate that in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the darkest time of year. Time change, I know, is brutal on a lot of us. It gets dark right after lunch now. And <laughs> Personally, I actually really enjoy the time change. Um, I really love this season and everything that comes with it. And so the time change is a part of that. And I feel like everything is a little bit slower because it gets dark earlier and people are just ready for bed at like eight o'clock, which I am always about. That is like the best day ever if we're in bed by eight, okay? So I really like it. I know I'm in the minority, so you don't have to send me emails on the, the greatness that light brings, okay, I know. But I've heard that this is one of the reasons why the celebration of Christmas was set for the end of December, because in a very real way, it is the Christ child that ushers in the light. Just as in the Jewish tradition, each day begins at sunset, it begins at darkness, it only seems fitting that the beginning of the church calendar would likewise begin in the stillness and in the dark, with us facing our deepest fears and our desires and then cultivating our hope For the light. We don't always think about Advent being at the beginning of the year because it's not for us in our calendar, it's at the end. But in the church calendar, this is day one. And day one begins in the dark. In the time just before Christ, hope was in short supply for the people of God. We are talking years and years and years of silence of not hearing the Lord in the way that they were at the time accustomed to hearing from the Lord. There was no prophet, there was no deliverer, nothing. They were ruled by a tyrant king, the taxes were crushing, there was injustice and murder. And it can be so easy for us to read past this, to kind of not fully settle into what it would have been like We know the story so it's kind of natural for us to just buzz through, fast forward through this dark time in history and the history of the people of God because we can get to the end of the Old Testament and then just turn one page and we're at the New Testament but we can forget that time and that space, that darkness that lives in between. The darkness is sitting over the nation of Israel as a result of their sin and disobedience and they were waiting. They were waiting on something. They were waiting on a promise. And if we rewind even a bit further, we find in the book of Isaiah another time of darkness. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah was called to prophesy in the year that King Uzziah died, which is about 740 B.C., And Uzziah was a great king of Judah and had reigned for almost 50 years while Judah experienced prosperity and trade and peace. And with prosperity, as we see in the scriptures, was happening at this time and that we know tends to happen, a few things were happening. The gap between the rich and poor was growing larger and larger, which meant injustice and oppression. The people of Judah began to rely on their wealth instead of on God, as we so often tend to do when things are going well, we forget where those things came from. And they were relying on their wealth instead of trusting in God. The Assyrians had invaded and overtook the northern kingdom of Israel, and Judah was fearful of a coming invasion. Things in Judah were beginning to unravel and fall apart. Uzziah's son had become king and he was not a strong leader. It was a very dark, dark time in history. When you're reading this passage, just like we talked about um, before in this space between the, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, when you're reading this passage in Isaiah, you've got to think there is no light here. There is no hope on the horizon. And so these words, these words from Isaiah that we are about to read would have been incredibly powerful to them. We see in Isaiah 9 a glimmer of what is to come. Isaiah is giving them something to hold on to, to grab on to. So let's pick up in Isaiah chapter nine and start with verse one. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This phrase, living in the land of deep darkness, that phrase deep darkness can also be translated as death shadow. For those living in the land of death shadow, a light has now flashed. Think about being up all night and it being completely dark and then the sun just coming up on the horizon. you seeing the first glimpse of the sun coming up in the distance. So we read, and they are hearing for the first time in many in, in many years: instead of increasing sorrow, the people would experience joy. Like reapers at harvest time. You've been sowing, and now it's time for it all to come in. Like soldiers at victory, like prisoners released from bondage. This is the kind of victory that we are going to see. Again, Isaiah is giving them something to hold on to. His words are full of hope. And so let's pause and talk about hope for just a bit. What does it mean to hope? If we're making room for hope today, what are we making room for? Hope can mean wishful thinking or positivity, like being a glass half full kind of person. I hope that it will be sunny tomorrow, the best is yet to come. I'm looking at it glass half full. Hope can also mean probability, like based upon the numbers, I am hopeful that we are going to make budget again this year. Hope is commonly used in these ways and that is not wrong necessarily, but this type of hope isn't strong enough to sustain. This type of hope isn't the hope that we see in scripture and that we are referring to today and in this season when talking about it. This wishful type of hope has its strength based on the person and their desire to make it, to, to get it to fruition. Meaning this type of hope rests largely on my shoulders, on our shoulders. Hope, as we see in scripture, is the confident expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God, and its strength is in his faithfulness to see it through to the end. Biblical hope is based on a person which makes it different from optimism and looking at things in any circumstance, how things could work out for the best. Biblical hope is not based on or focused on a specific circumstance or outcome. Again, our hope is the confident expectation in coming good based upon number one, God, his character, his goodness, his dependability, his trustworthiness to see it through, and second, his promises. We believe based on who he is and what we know to be true about him and what we've already seen that his promises are certain, even though some are still yet to come. Hope is based in the future, but it is fuel for the present. Eugene Peterson says this, hope is not about the future. Hope is about the present. It obviously has to do with the future, but it is a virtue which is cultivated in the present. It fills the present with energy. It connects the two comings of Jesus so that we are now a participant in them. We are not just remembering the one and believing in the other. We are participating in the continuity of the comings. Meaning hope, just like Advent, is about the now and the not yet. The continuity of the comings. We stand in the in between. We look backward and we look forward while we stand in the present. This is what we see Isaiah doing in this passage of scripture. He's standing in the dark, he's standing in the present and looking forward with hope of a different future. And we see in these next few verses that we are about to read, Isaiah sharing with the people all of those good things that we just read, all of that victory that is promised to us, I'm going to tell you how this is going to happen. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The darkness of the situation makes the light of Jesus so much more powerful Jesus came to bring hope and peace to a world of darkness and despair. And so we see Isaiah say in verse six and seven, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. During this Advent season, in the midst of whatever darkness you may have in your life right now, whatever burdens you may be carrying, we gather with the people of Israel, with the prophets, and say come, Lord Jesus, come. The reality of the holiday season is that while it is a beautiful time to celebrate, for many of us, it is a painful reminder of things lost, of expectations that were unmet, of desires that are unfulfilled. So often this season is a reminder of what could have been. And we can so easily move past a healthy version of dealing with our grief and into despair. Merriam-Webster defines grief as a deep and poignant distress caused by or as if by bereavement. And despair is defined as an utter loss of hope, to lose all hope or confidence. So despair is a grief without hope. But today, we are making room for and cultivating our hope for the light. Fleming Rutledge, an American Episcopal priest, author and theologian in her work around Advent laid out the Advent season in three movements or dimensions that we can follow. Advent, a celebration in three dimensions. She laid out the past God's initiative toward the world in Christ, the future, God's coming victory in Christ, and the present, a cruciformed or cross-shaped life of love for the world in the present time. So I wanna dig a little bit deeper this morning to make room for hope, If that is what we're going to do today and make space for that, to cultivate our hope for the light, we need to start by building a foundation for our hope. What is it that we are hoping in and use this framework of Advent, the past, future, present. To say our hope is in God is to say our hope is that first, Jesus initiated his love as Emmanuel, God with us. Hindsight is a perspective gift, as we all know. When we are in the middle of disappointment or disillusionment or despair, it can be almost impossible for us to see with any sort of clarity. We can so easily get lost in the weeds, if you will. Advent reminds us of a promise that has already come. It has already come. God came to earth, not the other way around. We didn't make movement to him. He came to us. It was his movement, his purpose, his promise fulfilled. He promised to come. He promised to save, to stand in the gap, to pay a price that we could never pay, and he did. He did those things The mix up here when it comes to promises is we can believe and hold fast to certain promises of God that actually God never promised us. Bad teaching and bad theology can cause a lot of pain in this area because God never promised that we would not have pain and that we would not have struggle and trial God never promised that all of our wants would be met. In fact, his words remind us repeatedly that we will face trial, that we will face struggle, that we will be outcast, that we will have loss and we will mourn and we will grieve in this world because things are not as they should be. His promise wasn't the removal of all of those things. His promise is that he would be with us every step of the way that he would walk with us. Our shepherd walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, not around it, not over it, not under it, through the valley of the shadow of death. Our comforter lives inside of us. Our God is Emmanuel. We talk about that during this season. We sing about that during this season, but do we really and fully understand and live fully present to what that means? He is With us. His promise is withness. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He is Emmanuel. We may be standing in the not yet. We may be standing with some things that feel unfulfilled, but we can look back at Jesus coming as a baby, coming as a child in this season and let this reality wash over us and not only give us hope, but enlarge our capacity to hope so that even while we stand in the middle, even while we stand here in this place today, whatever that may look like for you, he is with us. He is with us. You nothing can take away from the reality of his presence. As we look back on this moment, as we look back on this baby, we reflect on Jesus. He is a sign for us. He is a sign for things to come. He is the good, faithful, powerful, and yet humble God who has come to dwell with us in the midst of life and suffering and laughter and joy and everything in between. He is with us. Second, to say our hope is in God is to say our hope is that Jesus will come again and make all things new. He will come again and make all things new. Here's what I know to be true. What we believe about the future will inform and shape everything about how we live in the present, whether we believe that or not, whether we realize that or not. Revelation 21 says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. He has promised to make all things new. Our home is with him. Our ultimate home is with him and we long to be with him and he is coming again. We get to look forward with anticipation to that day in this season. The brokenness of our world is inescapable. You do not have to look far at all to know things are not as they should be. We have drifted so far from Eden. Fleming Rutledge again says this, religious systems that ignore the dark side of life are fundamentally dishonest. In Advent, we don't pretend as I once thought, that we are in the darkness before the birth of Christ. Rather, we take a good, hard look at the darkness we are now facing and define it honestly so that we will understand with utmost clarity that our great and only hope is in Jesus' final and victorious coming. Again, we don't have to look far to understand the darkness and the evil in our world right now. The season of Advent breaks into our broken world and reorients our hearts around a better reality. The present darkness which clouds creation has already been defeated in Jesus Christ and will one day be fully realized. We're only getting glimpses of it now. Advent is a turning away of despair and toward hope not in a I'm ignoring my feelings, I'm ignoring the reality of the brokenness of our world around me in a blind denial type of way, but in a what I believe about the coming future shapes my grief and my pain today. It shapes how I think about it, it shapes how I interact with it, and it shapes how I live with it right here today because of what I believe is coming in the future. Very few of us think on and dwell on Jesus's return. This season is a yearly and much needed reminder for each and every one of us. The hope that doesn't look over the horizon and into the future to come isn't Christian hope at all. We look over the horizon and know that a better day is coming, that his kingdom fully realized is coming. Jesus will come again and make all things new. And last, to say our hope is built in God is to say our hope is that Jesus will bring forth good from the kingdom to come into the mess of this world. Our hope is not just for the future. It is for now as well. It is now and not yet. We are a people that live in the tension. We have partially, we see glimpses of his kingdom all of the time, every day, and every single moment. If we can make space for it, if we can see it fully and clearly, we can eliminate distractions. God's goodness and his kingdom is all around. As we said last week, what fills up the space that we're clearing? His kingdom, his goodness fills up every single space and because of our hope that is now that we're building this foundation, our hope that is rooted in the past of God's coming and coming toward us and in the future that he will come again, we can offer a hope that is anchored, that is not tossed to and fro like the waves. We can offer this world a peace that passes all understanding in the midst of any and every circumstance We can offer a joy that is unspeakable and a love that casts out all fear and a savior that walks with us in the darkest of valleys. Again, this is not about ignoring the pain and the suffering and the tears of this world. Psalm 56, eight says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You keep track of each one in your book. Heaven cares about our tears. Tears are not the way that this world was designed, but in the here and now, in the present day, in the already and the not yet, there is a lot of weeping. Again, we are a long way from Eden. Things are not fully as they should be. And true hope doesn't rest on my shoulders to make things better. This hope isn't about fixing or denying or blindly ignoring. This hope enters in again to our broken world and is with us. He keeps track of our tears and sorrow and he will redeem it and make it new. This world needs this kind of hope here and now. The world needs a people who have this hope in the face of brokenness and in the midst of suffering and waiting. A people who boldly hope in their God and become a tangible expression of this hope. The world needs this kind of hope because it needs a glimpse of our God, of Jesus, our Messiah, who enters into our pain and fear and sin and suffering and offers us his very presence. The message of Christmas is that this hope entered into our experience, put on flesh to dwell among us and bring his kingdom here and now. The invitation of Advent this year and every single year is to set our hope back on its rightful place in Jesus. This is where hope and peace and joy and love, all the things that we're gonna be talking about in the weeks to come is more than just a feeling. It's more than just an emotional energy that we, muscle that we exercise. It's a virtue that is developed inside of us, that we plant seeds, we make space, but these things are cultivated in us like fruit. It takes time. We are cultivating our hope for the light today is trustworthy. Would you stand with me this morning? Today we will light the first candle of Advent, our hope candle, here in just a moment. This beautiful prophecy that we read earlier and studied about earlier from the prophet Isaiah was declaring a promise to his people, a hope that they can and should hold on to, a hope set not on circumstance, but on a person. But again, Isaiah lived and served the Lord about 700 years before Christ. That is a long time to hope. That is holding on to a hope that in the end, you don't even see in your lifetime. But this hope is a strong foundation nevertheless. This week of hope, this first candle of Advent can also be known and referred to as the prophecy candle. This candle of hope assures us that we can have hope in God and he will fulfill all of the prophecies declared about Jesus. As we light this candle, cultivating our hope for the light. And so as we do, I just want to, for us to pause for a moment, after we light this candle, to think about the season that you're in right now. This holiday season and all of the things that come with it you may very well be dreading. Maybe there is a heaviness and a darkness that makes it hard to see. And So we want to cultivate and make space for hope today and understand that this is not about me stirring something up in my own strength and in my own power. This kind of hope rests on him. I don't need to do a thing. I make space and let him work. Let him do the work inside of me. And so we hold that, we don't ignore it. He is with us in every season. Jesus, we come to you today, hungry, for more of you, hungry for a hope that is set on you. So many of us, each and every one of us, are in the middle of a story. Some feel darker than others, some feel heavier than others, but we're in the middle right now. we want to lean into not our own understanding, but yours. We trust in you and what you are doing and what you are stirring up and growing inside of us. And so today, as we light this candle, as we are about to light this candle and just rest in your presence and sit in what you have to say to us, what do we need to get rid of in our lives that is not making space for your hope to invade every single part of our lives? Do we need to step into some forgiveness this morning? Do we need to let go of some resentment that we've been carrying on to because things don't look the way I thought that they would look by the time I got to this phase of my life. I thought Christmas would look different than this. I thought that my family would look different than this. I thought that my job and my finances would look different than this right now. And I've been holding on to some resentment of my situation and maybe even of God. Today, give us strength to let go. Give us strength to make space for what really matters, to make space for what's cluttering. As we light this candle, cultivate our hope for your light. speak.